0: So hello everyone and welcome to today's webinar. It's just gone one o'clock, so I'm just going to give everyone a chance to join. Uh, Do feel free to drop into the Q&A area and say hi. We've disabled the chat feature as we've discovered it can cause problems for some people using screen readers. So I can see a few more of you joining now. Glad you could make it today. Okay, I think we'll make a start now. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the 17th session in our Accessibility Insights series, where AbilityNet's Robin Christofferson, Head of Digital Inclusion, uh, hosts a monthly online chat with individuals who are each working to improve digital accessibility and digital inclusion. And this month, he's chatting to Ted Drake, who is Global Accessibility and Inclusive Design Leader at Intuit. I'm Annie Mannion, and I'm Digital Communications Manager at AbilityNet, and I'll be running you through today's session. So just to go through a few bits of housekeeping, uh, we have live captions provided today by MyClearText, and you can turn the captions on using the CC option on the control panel. Um, We also have additional captions available at streamtext.net forward slash player question mark event equals AbilityNet. Slides are available at slideshare.net forward slash abilitynet and also on our website at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash intuit webinar. And if you have any technical issues or you need to leave early, don't worry, um, you'll receive an email in a couple of days time with the recording, the transcript and the slides. Um, and depending on how you joined the webinar, you'll find a Q&A window. So if you'd like to ask Ted or Robin any questions, do drop those in the Q&A box and they'll address them uh, in a few days' time after the today's session. Um, and we'll follow that up with a blog on our website. Again, at forward slash Intuit dash webinar. And then we just have a, a feedback survey you'll be directed to at the end, which invites you to tell us about any future topics that you'd like us to cover. So we'd really appreciate if you'd fill that in. Okay so that's it from me and over to Ted and Robin.
1: Fantastic thank you Annie. Ted really really pleased to have you on. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this month.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. I, I, uh, I have learned so much from the accessibility leaders in the UK and it's great to to be able to join again and uh, give what I have back to the UK uh, leaders.
1: Fantastic. As we have from US uh, active advocates and experts in this area, so a bit of uh, transatlantic uh, collaboration there. Uh, Mutual beneficial uh, relationships, let's hope that they remain strong (laughs) regardless (laughs) of any other aspects of that uh, particular transatlantic uh, activity. So um, we always start off with a really cheesy uh, question. What are you drinking to help you get through this ordeal? I've just got some really strong tea, kind of bucket-sized tea.
2: (laughs) Uh, I typically uh, am a coffee drinker. And uh, this particular cup, I didn't plan on grabbing this, I just grabbed it from the cabinet, Uh, is made by the DeafBlind Potter um, in uh, the United States. What's interesting is he has, um, it's a matte black coffee cup with several engraved lines. And there's a glaze at the top a shiny glaze that drips down and it drips down in multiple layers. And his concept is that, um, there are multiple layers to people, someone that's deaf, blind or deaf or blind. They're not like a cookie cutter. One person is the same as everybody else, but everybody has different facets. Uh, so his website, I believe is deafblindpotter.com.
1: Wow. Really worthwhile plug there. Let's hope that people go and visit that. Fantastic, thank you. Um, cool. So a little bit later on, we'll talk about you know the the, the more recent history, maybe COVID-related. But the first question I want to ask you, which I ask a lot of uh, my guests, is what you know has been the t- last say decade of accessibility? What have been the big milestones? And uh, in your opinion, or in your experience, and and what do you think we can? What are the big takeaways from uh, the last ten years?
2: I think the biggest thing that's happened in the last 10 years is um, if, you, if you wind back the clock, when I started working at Intuit, um, there were probably 15 different JavaScript libraries we were using and a, a product could have four or five versions of JavaScript running. And um, what's happened is that we've become standardized. Uh, we have React and React is pretty good ios android they're excellent microsoft has done really good work with uh, windows 10 and windows 11. and what this means is that the average developer doesn't have to fight with creating everything over from scratch we don't have 500 carousels (laughs) on our products we have maybe two or three carousels and um that's not just at Intel. that's across the whole industry and so I think though what's happening is that there's a lot more consistency when someone comes to a website, for instance, WordPress powers, you know, probably 40% of the websites out there. When you come to a website that's powered with WordPress, it's easy to understand how that's gonna work. And when you take consistency, when you take um, widgets and components, and you, you don't have to design those, you don't have to build those, It gives people the time to design and build what is special about a product. So uh, it frees up a lot of time, uh, makes it easier for customers, makes it easier for developers. Unfortunately, sometimes that means that a platform becomes popular that's not accessible. Um, And that's the challenges we have. Um, Highcharts is an amazing graphing platform. But a lot of companies and a lot of products moved away from high charts because a sexier alternative came up and they wanted to try this new graphing. And then all of a sudden, you know, our customers are starting to say, wait a minute, I thought that chart worked and now I can't use it. So that's also one of the struggles is that there's always a new flavor. But uh, I just remember 15, 20 years ago that every page had to be done Uniquely, we were constantly working on how am I going to fix this particular line of code? And now we're looking at how are we going to fix that, you know, component?
1: Yeah. For best results, use IE 10, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. With um, a brilliant basis like WordPress, for example, yeah, we should mention that you can still break accessibility, of course, but the tools that we're working with out of the box these days are really good. And I think HTML5 deserves a huge shout out there as well for kind of native inclusion. Um, you know, the, the the building blocks that people are using these days, thankfully, Flash died a death <laughs> as did many other, you know, more challenging technologies as well.
0: There's a,
2: You mentioned html 5 I just wanna throw in a little bit that I found interesting. So HTML4, I, I was working at Yahoo on uh, a tech product and one person said it was like a web 2.0 explosion in the factory is what that product was when we were this was the shift from documents to applications Mm -hmm. fortunately we had victor sarin that was working closely with us so we were able to actually make that application accessible from the beginning um but we're basically taking html4 and we were twisting it and breaking it and doing stuff that it wasn't meant to do. And then ARIA came out and ARIA was a way for us to say, okay, we're, we've got these documents, we're destroying them in order to make them look good and single page applications, but they're fully inaccessible. So ARIA allowed us to redefine those applications. Then HTML5 looked at what was the best out of ARIA and started taking those things like ARIA required or landmarks and making that part of the HTML5 spec. What I thought was interesting, I think it was about two years ago, is that Android started introducing ARIA functionality as native Android. So they took the live region and they pretty much took it directly out of ARIA and put it into Android. So it's interesting how you can take the best of this and that and you. All of this comes together into what's going to make it easier for everybody in the future.
1: Absolutely, I'd love to carry on talking technology and code, but um, <laughs> I, I want to get a good mix here. And you're going to be speaking this month at uh, our big, you know, B two B tech conference, TechShare Pro, and you're going to be talking about the importance of champions, accessibility champions within organisations. So. Tell me about how that works. What's the role of accessibility champions within an organization the size of Intuit? And you know, would that kind of implementation of a champions network or the role of accessibility champions, would that change significantly for other organizations?
2: I think it's critical that it changes for every organization. I think that's the beauty of an accessibility champion program is that it's a concept, it's a community, but it's also, it morphs as to how each company is built into it as a company that's very customer focused. And so our champion program is mostly focused on empathy. We want people to learn about accessibility. Well, we want people to understand how people use assistive technology, how you can use inclusive design. That's part of our champion program. We want people to volunteer. Um, we want people to create captions, audio descriptions. Um, so that works for us, but it may not work for uh, a completely different company. They may be more focused on documents and compliance. They might be more focused on physical, you know, it could be a gas station. And they may be more focused on how do you help a, a customer at a gas pump? Um, for us, the Champion program gave structure to an unstructured community. We had people that were passionate but we had no way of recognizing them. And we had no way of for them to say, I wanna move forward in my career and focusing on accessibility. So what we gave was an easy way to join the community, very easy way to get join the community. Once you're in the community, there is a regular awareness. Every day almost, there's a new notice in the Slack channel. Look, up, look at this article or watch this video. Um, And then there's a roadmap for people to become product leaders and subject matter experts and become a leadership within the company. And that's what's really been successful at Intuit is making it easy for people to be recognized and then also giving them the power to make a change.
1: So is that an informal thing still, or is that aspect of the the people that choose to take on that kind of role uh, recognized with some extra bandwidth, maybe some other remuneration or support? Is
2: it yeah, the, the, project only? the uh, our level one champions, which uh, so far we've had over a thousand people become level one champions. Um, there's no extra commitment on that standpoint, other than the fact that they're going to be, um, uh, they're going to be hooked into a lot of new information and opportunities level two champions are our product leaders. And we work with their managers before they become a level two to get at least 10% of their time dedicated to accessibility. Um, some of them have more than 10%. And then our level three are subject matter experts. Um, that's typically 100% accessibility. Um, so that's actually a job title change.
1: Wow. I hope I haven't stolen any you know, of your thunder <laughs> from CSP. <laughs> For a whole session and many more insights, please tune in, guys. Uh, you can register just by searching for she- TechShare Pro. Um, fantastic. Let's move on. Talking about you know how you guys are really knocking it out of the park internally. There's a brilliant blog um, that Intuit have or you have around um, uh, best practice when it comes to employment and recruitment practices and policies. Are, are there any sort of top table takeaways you can give us from that, or just to point people at it <laughs> and say? dig in?
2: Uh, One of the things that we've tried to do is um, be open. Um, I've encouraged our champions to write articles. And it's one thing to say that we're, we want to hire people, uh, diverse people. It's another thing to show that we actually are hiring people and giving them the power and the respect they need. So we just published a, an article this last week about one of our champions who realized he had uh, vestibular disorder and he's been actively helping our motion designers, uh, testing their motion. So he wrote about how how the champion program and how Intuit gave him the ability not just to make an impact, but he learned a lot about himself in the process. We have others who have come forward and talked about their sobriety, their uh, neurodivergent, um, mental health uh, physical we have another uh, person she just she's about to publish one who's uh, she's hard of hearing uh, she uses mm-hmm. lip reading she's talking about how she works in zoom environments um, because it's what we've hoped to do is just letting people know that if you're looking for a job and you want to work for someone that's going to support you with accommodations um, and in a, res- a respectful way uh, here's a company that's actually doing it And I will say, our big inspiration, at least the accessibility team, has been Microsoft. Uh, I think Microsoft has done a fantastic job with that. And I would also say the BBC. When you think about the BBC and you think about how their accessibility team and their employees with Ouch Podcast, uh, 1800 Seconds on Autism, you know, there are people there and you can relate to those people.
1: You mentioned the Ouch Podcast, it's one of my favorites. Just search for Ouch. Guys, and you'll get first-hand stories if you want. You know to to have um, your uh, understanding of accessibility, disability, inclusion, or, and exclusion made very real with with mm-hmm. um, real life experiences. It's a fantastic listen. Really good. Ouch. Cool. So um, I should probably say as well at this point that AbilityNet ran a range of of courses on uh, accessible best practice in recruitment and onboarding. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that and I'm sure Annie <laughs> can share something at the end there too. But, yeah, there's um, there's really straightforward things you can do to take away the fear and apply really sensible adjustments or accommodations, as you guys call it, um, in, in the area of uh, the application process and onboarding. So, yeah, I would be remiss not to mention that. Fantastic. So, let's talk about COVID then. Um, we've talked about, you know, recent years now let's talk about recent months what have you or you know your organization as a whole learned from covid um you know we've all kind of been on a journey haven't we
2: yeah yeah it's been it's definitely been interesting um you know a lot of people have already talked about the obvious um you know where uh, the ability to work remotely everybody now understands that it's possible and that's been a big uh, help Uh, for people with disabilities, especially moving forward. Um, I remember Cisco did a project where they were focusing on those. They, I think they called them transportation disabilities. In other words, uh, people that were qualified to work in different positions, but they weren't necessarily able to get to the workplace. So they created this project about 10 years ago. How can we put the technology in their house in order for them to work remotely? Uh, And they actually had to prove that. Um, what they did was they shifted one group in India and they noticed a 250% increase in productivity with that team versus the team that was going into the office. Um, that was that was a really great project that Cisco did. But one of the things that we learned was um, when COVID hit and Intuit shut down, um, we all came home, we all started figuring out what we were gonna do I realized that we essentially now have this 12 to 1 o'clock lunchtime that was empty. So the following week, we started a Lunch and Learn series. And I just reached out to all of our champions and to my friends in the community. And every day we were having a presentation, a, a webinar like this internally. And it really, really blossomed because people realized I can learn something. I can do something different. I can share my story um, that, that has been tremendously impactful. In fact, it it just became overwhelming for me to manage, you know, four, five days a week of these seminars. So after five months, we, we ended it and then we just restarted it in September, but now it's only one day a week. So tomorrow, today, I'm going to talk about personalization and inclusive design. Uh, Last week, we talked about VPATs, and next week, we have the VISTA Center for the Blind coming in to talk. So it's really a broad spectrum. So I would say it's allowed people around the world to gather, to share information, to do so in new new ways. Um, It's given us the time and the space to expand what we normally would have, we wouldn't have had the time to learn.
1: I think COVID has um, taken the requests, the long-standing requests of disabled employees, of more flexible working and the option of home working, um, you know, and made it a reality, you know. And it's also taken. Some um, journalists have said, or some pundits have said, you know, ten years worth of innovation and concertinaed it down into eighteen months. So it's been a really exciting time. Let's hope that the benefits of some of the changes that COVID has brought for disabled customers, and, uh, employees, and for every employee, and, um, you know, means that there'll be a, um, that'll be a, a longer standing situation that we don't go back to the norms of before. So is there a legacy as far as Intuit uh, that COVID has brought, do you think?
2: Yeah, I would definitely say that um, we have a product for self-employed individuals. And I think that we're probably going to see a, a greater shift away from, um large businesses to people that are now working on their own. Um I was listening to a podcast this morning um about the restaurant industry. And they were talking about a lot of people that refuse to go back into the restaurant industry because of the hours and the pay. And so they've actually gone on and started their own business, like their self-catering or food transportation and such. So I think that we might see a lot of those shifts. Um, One other thing about COVID is that before COVID, Zoom was the preferred platform. People with that were uh, blind, people that use screen readers, people that were deaf and use closed caption, uh, Zoom had used inclusive design and had worked with their customers to provide things like being able to share your screen reader sound or not share your screen reader sound. You know, it's like a lot of complicated stuff. Um, At Intuit, we were using Zoom within the accessibility team to do customer reviews, customer interviews. And the company was using BlueJeans. Um, But everybody quickly realized that the only platform that was set up to, to manage this broad spectrum of meetings was Zoom. And it was because Zoom had used inclusive design from an early stage. And then Google Meets and Microsoft Teams, they had to catch up because they weren't as prepared as Zoom. So I think it's a really good lesson on inclusive design.
1: Absolutely, and I won't name any products, but certainly pre-pandemic days, you know, I'd be often joining online meeting and my heart would sink when certain products were used because I knew that it was gonna be a really tough one. I wouldn't be able to mute Mm -hmm. myself. I would have to make sure I had a pair of eyes to hand to click the join button, etc., to test my microphone and camera and that sort of thing. So yeah, wow, we've moved on a long way. I think those, <laughs> those particular platforms have actually upped their game as well, which is absolutely yeah, fantastic. Let's absolutely. Talk... Yeah, let's go back to talking tech then, um, <laughs> my my favorite area. So um, you know, let's look forward. What do you think? Uh, well, what are you most excited about in the area of digital inclusion and technology, either personally or? you know, within Intuit or just within the industry uh, or, you know, tech environment most more broadly. So tech and future. Uh,
2: There's two things that I'm really looking forward to. One is actually an old idea and that's raising the floor, which was this concept that a person would have a personal profile and that personal profile might be stored in the cloud. But as I go up to an ATM and I put my card in, it recognizes who I am and that I want high contrast screen. If I go on an airplane, I sit in an airplane seat, it knows who I am, and it will automatically turn on captions. You know, it's like like the technology changes for me instead of me changing for the technology. And with today's technology, we're actually seeing that happen. We're seeing that someone on their device says that I don't want a lot of animation... So they pull up a page, and the page automatically delivers a reduced animation version, that kind of stuff. I think that's really exciting. The other thing I'm really excited about is the concept of no interaction interaction, which means like um, an Apple Watch, you fall, and the Apple Watch detects that you fall. And so it automatically, like if you're riding a bicycle and you crash, it's going to contact the 911 for you so i'm not actually having to do anything to my watch the watch is actually adapting to my personal uh, experience or if you leave your house and your thermostat turns the you know energy down i think that's going to be really exciting of course it's also a big privacy (laughs) uh, concern
1: yeah but we've been threading that needle for some time haven't we Yeah. Yeah. So what what about AI? I mean, I know that exists in the kind of machine learning aspect of full detection and that sort of thing, but does AI feature in your excitement going forward or is that kind of a a mixed bag?
2: I think where AI can really help is when it simplifies life. Um, A good example would be with uh, TurboTax, our tax product in the United States and Canada. Uh, There's probably 70,000 or more screens that are involved in the tax process, but each person may only have to look at 15 of them, but we use artificial intelligence as you're filling out the forms, the artificial intelligence is figuring, okay, these are the screens. I need to add this screen to the queue. I need to remove this screen from the queue. I need to make sure that this question is asked. And if that question is asked, so I think AI can really simplify life. Um, and I think that's where where we might see you know forms that are pre-filled, um, buttons, screens that you don't have to go through because they've already figured out what it is. Uh, you know, acknowledge we think that this is your personal you know, your mailing address, and you show your mailing address instead of asking someone to input their mailing address. Um, I have a Tesla, so uh, I'm excited about the concept of uh, Autonomous driving—I don't trust it yet. <laughs> I'll trust it on an empty freeway, but I don't trust it going to the store.
1: Yeah, you don't um, need to test that. Definitely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait for fourth gen, fully autonomous. Absolutely. Wow, I'm so jealous. Maybe one day I will have one. Although I suspect by then, the idea of private car ownership will be a bit of a anachronism. But yeah. Oh, great. I mean, talking about AI, something as simple as—and I don't know if this is real AI, but Browser autocomplete within forms. You know, I can now just um, hit a form and it'll give me a suggestion. I can choose it from a drop down for say my name, and then with one single tab, every other form field in that in that form has been auto completed with other stuff as well, based on the labels, etc. Probably not AI, but certainly feels like magic to me as a blind person. Yeah, I don't
2: know if you're the same way, but when I come across the form that doesn't do that, I get so frustrated. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, Um, absolutely. Yeah, Uh, we're upping the bar, like you said. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, we're rushing towards the finishing line, which is awful. So, um, (laughs) let's finish off by putting a question to you from last month and then asking you to provide one for our next guest. So, last month we were interviewing Jonathan Mosen, he's a blind CEO of a diverse um, employment agency in. New Zealand called Workbridge and his question put to you uh, or to Intuit in general was what are you doing to make the lives of your disabled employees of all types um, as inclusive as possible and to help them reach their full potential?
2: Um, it's, it's a really great question and it goes back to are you, uh, are you, are you really paying attention to not just hiring people, but also allowing them to prosper. You know, that's the difference between diversity and and inclusion is whether or not someone can get the job, but also exceed at the job and get promoted to new levels. Um, The accessibility champion program, while I hadn't expected that to happen, has actually had a major impact on it. Um, A good example would be, we had an intern start and in her second week of the company, She attended a big meeting with the CEO. It was like an all hands in in that location. Um, She was from the National Technology Institute for the Deaf at Rochester Institute of Technology. She was hard of hearing. She was having problems um, hearing his speech. So she messaged me on Slack and I suggested in the temporary that she opened up Google Chrome. Google slides at the time, open up a slide presentation and let Google slide at least translate it. But I also suggested that she go up to the CEO afterwards and tell him. Um, and that's one of the things that we wanna do is give people, everyone the ability to have some ownership and some uh, confidence. So she did, she went up to the CEO, she showed him the Google slides that she was using um, and explained that she wasn't able to hear them. So he kicked off a like a, a specialized team the next week, um, and that included people from our technology team, our accessibility team, our, our talent acquisition. And within three weeks, we had a protocol set up so that from now on, anytime a, a leader speaks, there's going to be a cart. There's going to be live captioning, and whenever anybody in the audience needs a tra- uh, uh, ASL interpreter, there's always going to be an ASL interpreter. And that was. A very fast action that was done because one person, she had just become an accessibility champion and she now was part of this community and she had the confidence to go forward and talk to the CEO. And we had already kind of started the ideas but we didn't have that traction yet. It just took that one person to come up and share her experience. And this happens throughout the day. Every day there's something new.
1: Yeah, communication, open communication where disabled employees, well, diverse, all employees who are you know it's a diverse workforce. We're all different shapes and sizes. Going back to the cup at the very beginning, we're layers upon layers. We don't any of us fit into simple boxes. Um, yeah, that open communication and the Champions Network's a brilliant framework or kind of conduit for that for that level of communication. Fantastic. Well the final then final question is <laughs> for next month's guest who I can't actually name yet but it's gonna be someone from the gaming industry. So um, have you got anything to pass on to this person, this mystery person about inclusive game design?
2: Sure, I'm not, personally, I'm not much of a gamer. I don't have the time for gaming, but um, I was listening to a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I
1: love that. I love <laughs> uh, that you do, because honestly they're the hidden gems. Well, they've been around forever, but you know, more people need to listen to podcasts. Yes, yeah, sorry, Yeah. On
2: no it's they're amazing um Mm -hmm. but it was this conversation with a game designer and a woman that had um schizophrenia and she was talking about how she was a consultant on this game and how the uh the game used her uh her and her experiences in a very positive way so my question is um and i'll I'll now i'll read it (laughs) so that it's a you know more understandable Uh, It's one thing to make a game accessible. It's another level to incorporate diverse experiences in game development. Uh, Hellblade is a game that sensitively incorporates psychosis in the story and gameplay. What are other examples and trends that include diverse experiences and abilities in the game's development?
1: Wow, what a brilliant note to end on. I will pass that on. Do the mystery person. Thank you so much, Ted. It's been an absolute pleasure. There's been so much to take away. I'm sure that we'll get you know brilliant questions in the Q&A <laughs> and uh, fantastic feedback. So yeah, thanks again. Keep up the okay. good work. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can speak again. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll pass back to Annie.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Ted and Robin. Um, there are lots of questions that we hope to answer online in the next few days and you'll all receive an email uh, to access them. So finally, just a bit more information um, that might be of interest to you. So as Robin mentioned, we also run online training sessions on digital accessibility, and you can find out more at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash training. Uh, We have a special code to use on our training courses um, for webinar attendees, which is AbilityNet webinar 1010. Um, So you can save 10% on all of our courses and some courses coming up soon include on the 10th of November, how to use assistive assistive technology at work in education and at home. And then on the 11th, uh, accessibility for designers. On the 25th of November, video game accessibility. And on the 30th of November, how to run accessible inclusive meetings and events. And then just also to let you know about um, TechShare Pro, Uh, we have, uh, it's Europe's largest accessibility and inclusion gathering, and it takes place on the 16th, 17th and 18th of November. You can book now at abilitynet.org.uk forward slash TechShare Pro. And you can also use the code TSP21 underscore insights. And that's a half price ticket offer for people attending this webinar. And then, just finally, um, you can sign up to our ooh, excuse me, sign up to our newsletter um, at forward slash newsletter for um, further information about digital accessibility. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, and you can also download our podcast at forward slash podcast. And then we have a suite of accessibility services that are available to suit all types of organisations. And then also, don't forget about our next free webinars that you can access at forward slash webinars. Um, On the 7th of December, we have our next Accessibility Insights session. And then on the 14th of December, we have a session uh, looking at career development. So thank you again, Ted and Robin and everybody who's joined us. And um, once again, please do uh, fill out the feedback form that you'll be directed to at the end. So thanks, everyone. Bye.